morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Whatever time you listen to us, we are just so thrilled to the moon that you do. And you are listening to another youth ministry podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Board of Youth and Young Adults of the Bible Fellowship Church. Another youth ministry podcast strives to refocus, recapture, and realign student ministry with a grace-filled and gospel-focused vision. I am one of your hosts, Chris. I'm joined by Tim and Jared and a special guest that I'll let Tim introduce since I believe they were friends first. So we got uh, Lincoln Fitch with us, um, works with Disciple Makers. Um, so you want to say hello, Lincoln? Hey, everybody. It's good to be here. So we're yeah, we're glad to have him on here. We uh, we met at Grace Bowl Fellowship Church in Reading. Um, is that how we first met or was yeah. it through Disciple Makers first? It was through Grace. Okay. Yep. Tim was really key in helping us start our ministry at Albright um, years ago, just really generous with introducing us to students and connecting us with people. And then a couple of years later, I moved into Grace, into Reading, and I started at Grace. And, right. Okay. And then Tim left. <laughs> just left. You had to remind me of that. <laughs> yeah, well, we you were, had to bring it up. We were discussing this episode. Uh, I think Lincoln had let out some emotions that were building up yeah. and... Um, it was interesting. Tim broke you. my heart. I, I think I think I was gonna start crying, and we were gonna need to <laughs> give take, it, take a break. Take, yeah. take ten. Yeah. That's right. And you can uh, give air hugs. Yeah, I think we're gonna have a therapist on our next show. That's good. That's so, well, anyway, uh, while we were having that conversation, um, Lincoln actually threw out a practical tip, um, and I'm hoping you remember what it is because we didn't write it down. Uh, do you remember what practical tip you threw out to us? Yeah. <laughs> okay. The practical tip was we're going to talk about total depravity today. And so one of the practical ways to see the total depravity in your own life or in the life of your students is to think about the way you use your words over the next week. Mm-hmm. Just to have a really laser focus on the things that you're saying that are coming out of your mouth. Yeah. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah, the mouth speaks. And James 3, 1 through 10, it's a measure of what's there. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go, listeners. You have homework for this next week. Watch your words. And we have homework, too. That's true. Watch your words. Watch them as they're floating out. Yeah, just watch them (laughs) as they they tweet away. So Lincoln brought it up. We're talking about total depravity today. And and corruption, yeah. Yes, and corruption. But I want to ask the question, just start at why. Why do do we think this is an important one to start with? Yeah, and this is, of course, part of our theology and youth ministry ongoing series uh, that we introduced a couple episodes ago. Uh, but I think it's important because it's it helps us define and set a worldview, a proper worldview for the way we see the world, the way we see our students, and the way we see ourselves. Yeah. Without this, you can get very lost in the pseudo-theology of the world. Yeah, and it's important. You know, We, we talked about how important theology is for our, our lives and for ministry, because theology is simply the study or the knowledge, the logic or reasoning of God, who God is, what is real and about him, but also what he has revealed to us, which is in his word, a lot of things. And theologians have organized those systematically into categories. And so one, I guess, uh, disclaimer I want to put out there is as we talk about, you know, the importance of understanding corruption and depravity, we're not at all excusing grace and um, or even the doctrine of the angels, you know, how, how the demons can be used by Satan to tempt a believer, per se. But we're kind of zoning in on one piece of the mosaic, um, so you know, just for, for that. Right, and it's, um, this is also the first letter and tulip of Calvinism, yeah. um, so total depravity, T. So, 
Yeah. So this kind of starts it off, you know. So so anyway, we are talking about depravity and corruption today. And just for some quick definitions, um, I'll kind of throw out there um, one on depravity in our denomination. As a matter of fact, Lincoln, he's he, he's not in vocational ministry in our denomination, but he does attend one of our denomination's churches. So we are all BFCers around this table. Um, the Lord. That's right. Amen. <laughs> uh, pretty much Baptistic Calvinists is what we are. <laughs> but uh, Article 8, Article 9, Wet Article 10. <laughs> I know, soaked. Soaked Presbyterians. <laughs> Saturated Presbyterians. <laughs> Pruny. Okay, let's just stop. All right. <laughs> we, we love you, Tim. Um, so Articles 8, 9, and 10 all actually bring up this idea of depravity. And depravity does not mean that every single person is as wicked as they could be, all right? Um, praise God for his common grace that not everybody is an Adolf Hitler or Joseph Stalin. Um, but what it means is that no part of our faculties, our minds, our bodies, our hearts, our will has been untouched by sin. And what depravity communicates a lot of times that people associate with depravity is our inability to come to God. Um, to take even a step towards him. Uh, Ephesians chapter two, verse one says, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Romans chapter three tells us that um, no one seeks for God. No one is righteous. No one is righteous. And I think it's second Corinthians four or five. I can't remember, but that no one can uh, discern spiritual things because they don't have the spirit. And so uh, the, in in their natural state. So that's depravity. Maybe one of you guys want to jump in on corruption even um, and how pervasive sin is. Yeah, I can jump in. Um, radical corruption is just the idea um, that we still, in spite of what God has done even in, in our lives, in spite of the way God restrains sin, even in unbelievers, that there is still this sense of um, us being corrupt to the core. Mm-hmm. And that even though we've been saved, that we still have this, this sinful nature in our flesh. So even if you're a believer, you still battle with corruption daily. Yeah, so so not only are we incapable of righteousness, depravity— we are very capable of wickedness, corruption. Right. And I want to bring up, too, is that you hear, you know, in Philippians 1, 6, you get this idea that we're not going to see that go away until the end. But once Philippians 1, 6 says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will be bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So that corruption's, you know, we walk with Christ, but it's not gone until completion. Yeah, and I think the picture of sin in the Old Testament is really helpful here because even the prophet Jeremiah describes sin as etched on our hearts with a pen of iron mm. tipped with a diamond. So <laughs> the the picture of sin is not that just once we get saved, once we believe in the gospel, it just disappears. Mm. But it's a, a thing we continue to uh, yep. work out in our lives by That's the right. power of the Spirit and with the help of, of the church. Work out your salvation. That's a that's biblical. With fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Bear fruit with keeping with repentance. Anyways. Yeah, and Jeremiah even says in seventeen nine, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Uh, you think about being sick. You, when you're sick, you go somewhere to get well. Uh, and this idea of being sick, being this depravity and corruption, is we're a sickness of the heart, and we need to. We can't fix it ourselves. Like just like you can't prescribe yourself medication uh, for disease, you need to go to someone who has that power. Yeah, and I don't think he's talking about sick as the sniffles. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not just the it's headache not. or the. It's cold. like you have yeah. COVID, pneumonia, mm-hmm. and, and cancer. you're on, and can, yeah, and you're on life support. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, you're totally incapable. I think if I can add to this too, in that verse in Jeremiah, he says, "The heart is desperately sick. Who can understand it?" So this is a sense of not only are we sick, but we can't even diagnose. Ourselves. That, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, a friend of mine says it this way, that the heart is a lying liar that tells lies. <laughs> so our heart lies to us about how bad our own hearts are. Yeah. And so this kind of, you know, I, I just want to be like as clear as we can be, because I think there's a lot of evangelicals that would probably agree with a lot of what we've said, where this line kind of comes and is drawn in the sand for a lot of evangelical Christians is um, how this plays out in somebody becoming a Christian or even how a Christian lives a Christian life in that. Um, so there's, there's like four main schools of thought. You have Pelagianism, which teaches that man is actually born neutral or and that they decide if they're going to be good or bad, which it's interesting. The odds are 100% in the bad category. You have semi-Pelagianism, like, ah, they're just, you know, they're a little, they're a little, you know, sick or a little tainted. Then you have Arminianism, which is what most evangelicals believe is that man is very, very sick. Um, in their sin that 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 they can choose God, but they're you know you have to reason rightly, you have to convince them rightly, and then there's the you know I, I'd say biblical, but the Calvinistic doctrine of depravity, which is man is dead, man cannot take even a single step towards God at all, and um, this this has vast implications for ministry in our own lives because if you believe that. Though you're a sinner, you have an ability if somebody preaches the right sermon or reasons with you, or if you do the right research, you'll come to God on your own apart from the Spirit. And that's just, that has massed, vast implications. Yeah. So the thing we want to talk about, obviously, we're a youth ministry podcast. We want to talk about the implications of this doctrine in student ministry. And I think it starts with with us as pastors and youth (laughs) leaders. We need to recognize and daily remind ourselves of this doctrine because it affects the way we see, like I said in the beginning, the way we see each other and the way we see our students. Um, for, and I also think for total depravity, is it for it also helps us if we go about our lives reminding ourselves of that doctrine and living it out. It, it comes back to that. I always think of the song, Lord, I need you. Um, you know, you don't need something unless you see why you need it. Um, so if every day I can recognize that, uh, you know, I am, I am, I'm a sinner saved by the grace of Christ, but if I can recognize every single day that even if I had a great day, there, even in my, my mind or what was going on, or even how I've interacted with someone that during that day, there were sins that I may have not even been aware of. And I am in desperate need. Lord, I need you every hour. I need you. If I don't have this doctrine in my core, I'm going to live my life just thinking that, oh, it's all easy. I got Jesus. I don't really need to think much. I, I, I don't really need him. So, yeah, I think it's so easy for us to preach total depravity like it's a thing that unbelievers need, but not to apply <laughs> or, to or have, yeah. Yeah, um, especially when you're in ministry and you're teaching a lot and people are encouraging you and you know, maybe ministry's going well. It's very easy to forget this. Mm-hmm. But I think to really believe total depravity means that you have to daily take very very seriously your own sins. Yeah. Like the sins you do today, yeah. one of them is enough to send you straight to hell. I mean, yeah, and that and that's understanding our corruption really well. But I, I for for myself, and you know, on the flip side of that, depravity being so. Just to, for some clarity, corruption is you are so corrupt that you do wicked things. Depravity is you lack any ability to do righteous things. And so to understand that all of the good that you're doing in yeah. ministry is is not you. I mean, mm. what is the the Apostle Paul the mm. the the single most used man to spread the gospel all over the globe, to write 13 epistles to God's church, who called himself the chief of sinners. What did he say? That all, any good in him is Christ in him. 
And I think that posture of humility, as you minister to students that you get frustrated with, annoyed with, parents that drive you crazy, that prioritize wrongly. What? Yeah. <laughs> we're ju- we're mm-hmm. just as corrupt. Mm-hmm. We're ju- or we're just as depraved. We, and then that as a pastor, I can't earn God's favor by the good, quote unquote, that I do. So what's so challenging about that is I, I think so often in ministry, we don't associate ourselves with the bad things that are happening in ourselves or in our ministry, but we really want to take credit for the good things. That are <laughs> that's right, that's well, right. But how I, wicked are we that we take credit yeah. for the good things that God does in us? Look at what I build. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, um, speaking to the Corinthian church. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. but only god who gives the growth yeah mm-hmm. isn't that something you know and, and that's why sometimes you know i don't know about you guys i i hear these guys in the modern evangelical world and leadership like your john MacArthur's, your al moeller's your lingan duncan's your mark devers and it's like your you know tim keller's that read volumes like while they're like eating their midnight snack it seems like and they were and they have photographic memories and they have all these things that they seem to and it's like you're sometimes amazed by what they do and then it's like no god has chosen to use them in that way and me in this way it's like the parable of the talents he mm-hmm. gave five to one two to another one to another and all he required was faithfulness um yeah. and, and coming along with these great leaders that we look to i think lincoln reminded us too that we also see that great leaders fall um mm. do you remember yeah. your statement and what's the only thing you said absolutely i mean i think it's so easy to see in the news how many christian leaders are falling this this week even there's just stuff that happens all the time but it's so easy to look down on them but i think one of the things we see with total depravity is that we are no different than them Except for the grace of God. Yeah. Except for the grace of the God, we would be in the pit in, in the worst of our, of our sins. But God, by his grace, restrains us and keeps us. And intentionally, Scripture is very transparent about the failures of God's quote-unquote champions. Yeah. You know, we just did a Bible study with some of, some of our students last night in Galatians uh, 2, 11 through 14, where Paul opposed Peter to his face. Mm-hmm. And it's like Peter had the whole denying thing. And then after Acts chapter 10, when he was told by God, yeah, you can eat with Jews now or uh, Gentiles now. And he goes and messes like, I was like, I feel bad for this guy. It's like, Lord, can can anything Peter does be in private? He's just just figuring things out. He was a bold Uh, man. He's just figuring it out. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Just storming. Well, this is so helpful because I think for for ministry, what this means is that ministry, instead of becoming all about the leadership, it becomes about God. That's right. It gets us out of ourselves, out of this desire to be celebrities like Tim Keller's or whoever, and a desire just to make much of God and make very little of ourselves. Right. So we talk a lot right now about the leaders, uh, how it is practical for us as the the youth pastors, the youth leaders. Um, Let's talk a little bit about total depravity and uh, how do we take this, uh, how do we take this and take it to the students and why is it important for the students? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is it's, it's helpful for us to realize that they're totally depraved. And so and like, it takes a lot of pressure off. That's right. It's Amen. like it's not our job and we don't have the ability to fix them or stinkin', change their hearts. Stinking sinners. Yeah, that's and, right. Well, yeah, but at the same time, it's it's refreshing to know like, oh, I can do everything A, B, C, and D, but it, if God's not working in their hearts and their hearts not moved by the Spirit, they're not going to not going to change. I'm going to bring this back to parenting. Um, I, I had good friends that uh, joked and just said that any time that their um, children would do things that just, you know, they just, it, it's... They it makes you, you want to just get so angry like it feels like an attack against you as the parent they would they had to remind themselves that my child is totally depraved 
stinking sinners. <laughs> so, <laughs> so and you, like I said, it takes the pressure off us. But even in those moments where, you know, you're going to have things happen, students smoking in the bathroom, they're going to do things where you want, there's going to be something uh, morally wrong that happens on a trip or something like that. It's very easy for us to just get all riled up, to let it defeat us, to think, what is wrong with these students? We need a reminder. But, yeah, they're totally depraved. But also important to realize that they need the gospel. And so the gospel needs to be focused, the centered focus of our ministry, our teaching, and everything revolves around the gospel, presenting the gospel to them, reminding of them gospel, and uh, talking about the need for salvation, the need to be rescued. Yeah, and I, I think it's important at the outset, from a practical standpoint, to minister to students, is to recognize that this doctrine is not popular. I could be totally off. I know it was a friend I was talking to. Tim, I, for some reason, am remembering it being you, that you said that there was a parent that contacted you after you taught on depravity or something, and they were very yes. upset with you. And I maybe there are, could they be listening to this podcast? Is that what no, you haven't told no, the story very, yet? Uh, no, unlikely. Um, but yeah, we... <laughs> Today's we, the one day they'll tune in. We were in Romans 3 yeah. is where we were. Yeah. Um, and the student was listening, which I was thankful for. And what the only thing the student walked away with was that um, I can do no good. Um, and I, the parent emailed me like, how is that healthy for any student to ever hear that blah, blah, blah. And it was, the parent was only hearing from their student, but I, I had a chance to give the parent the gospel, um, and say, that's not what was just said. Your child has intrinsic value because she's, she is a ch- She's an image. She's an image bearer of God. But what we were trying to say is, no one is righteous. No one can do good or bring glory to the Lord apart from the goodness and the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. I so, when I when I taught a class in our church on on uh, sin and, and man, <clears throat> we talked about this doctor. I had a, I had a gentleman in front of the whole class, and he's, he's a nice guy. But he said, "You're." He's like, "Because I, I said when you help the old lady across the street, when you all these things, I'm like, your 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 motives are, are, are tainted." He's like, "How can you say that?" And I said, sir, I said, if you, if you don't see that, that we can do nothing good, you don't properly see God, because that's the issue. Right. It, it's not some, there's a, some ambiguous standard. Yes, according to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania mm-hmm. or the Constitution of the United States, I can keep laws, but God's standard is perfection in every way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. Like, none of us can do that except Christ. And that's that's what we're getting at, is you're <clears throat> incapable of doing what God requires. Another thing that you have to be careful with this doctrine is, I think they're, they're, we're all different with our personalities, um, and there are a lot of people that are rule followers and then people that are little free spirits. And many times I have learned with rule followers that total depravity can put them in total depression. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's good. So I, I have learned that for that individual, you do need to help them understand, again, that it's not about the rules um, and, and like that's important. And it's not that total depravity is not something you just have to cling to and be depressed about, but it's more about you. you need to move to seeing the goodness and the grace of God. And we'll talk about assurance of salvation, but um, they, they need to also see the balance. You've got to be very careful that if you just, if you hit this too hard and forget to move to Christ, you can leave someone walking away that they are rotten, they are nothing, they they can't do any righteous, there's no way out of this. So the gospel's got to be 
so powerfully connected when you're dealing with total depravity. Absolutely. You've got to be careful not to just slam them. And I think particularly if you have a personality that comes off, tends to come off more angry, you have to be really careful with this doctrine. Yeah. Shepherds don't slam. Yeah. Shepherds don't slam. They use the truths of God's word that are are harsh and that are cutting, but they use it like a surgeon. Yes. Like it's a scalpel that gets in there to the heart. And and those cuts have to be precise. You have to think through them. Like that's one of the things I've tried to do for myself is people are very surprised after I preach that I am, have so many notes and I follow them to a T and it's like, I have to be careful because right. I am one of those. You guys know me long enough. If I just go, bad things can come out. <laughs> so, you know, or 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 I, or I should say not bad things, but- Untimely bad, things. And untimely totally things. Depravity. To, yes, depravity, yeah. <laughs> but even just like wrong motives, wrong intentions, yeah. and it can cut, you know. And, and I, I like how you, Tim, you brought it back to Jesus. My, my mind goes immediately back to- I think it's Matthew chapter um, five, uh, no, three, when Jesus is baptized before his temptation and he arises from the water and the heavens open and, uh, the, and the Holy Spirit is, you know, comes and descends on him like a dove and a voice from heaven says what? This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That God is pleased with Christ. He's not pleased with us, but if we're saved, we are in Christ and thus he is pleased with us because he's pleased with Christ. And that's where depravity says you can't do anything to earn God's approval, favor, or justification. It's Christ. And that continues for the Christian. But then there's also the corruption that even though I have God's approval as a Christian, I'm still corrupt and can sin egregiously against him. And we've got to guard ourselves against that and our students and how we minister to them and how we treat them. We need to remember we are fleshly. Right? Yeah. We, we need to live in the spirit, but have that <clears throat> reminder of our flesh. Um, we were also thinking about the reason that this is important uh, for students is because of uh, the world that they live in and the message that they're hearing. Um, you know, every time they're not in your church building or um, or not in the Word, the message that they're hearing on social media, um, they're hearing in their school system, they're hearing from some of their friends. Um, so that- pretty much ninety eight point nine percent of the time. Right, <laughs> right. They're hearing that they are they they are um, they are good. Um, they can be anything they can, they they strive to be. They can have any identity that they desire to have. Um, th- that's what they're dealing with, and the, they're dealing with that you are amazing, and uh, don't let anyone ever tell you anything different. And if they do, that person is a liar, and they're ignorant, mm-hmm. and and they're out for your evil. Which is exactly what Satan communicated to Eve and Adam in the gardens, that God's not really for you. He's holding back. And uh, so talking about how this applies to our ministry, some things I think, you know, preaching um, and that not not holding back on being very real about these doctrines, not that you have to, again, just get up there and slam the students, but that you're very upfront about this. Um, as a matter of fact, even how you welcome new people into the student ministry, some people might say this is a bad thing. I've done this three times now. Um, I've had parents from outside of our church, uh, I think two of them were non-believers, contact me and say, hey, I'm just looking for something for my student. They need community. They need approval. They need to be built up, all these kinds of things. And I am very upfront with these parents. And I tell them, just so you know, I said, we they have value in God's sight. We want to love on them. But we are going to tell them that they are dead in their sins that they are rebelling against God and that they need to turn away from their sin and trust in Christ or they're going to perish. And I've had 
pretty much <laughs> the, the main reaction I've gotten is, all right, it's great. I'll drop them off on Sunday. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Like, you're, see you well, there. What I love about what you do there, Chris, is that you actually get an opportunity there to preach yep. the gospel to uh, yep. a parent, which Absolutely. is so key. Absolutely. I, I just want them to know we're going to love on your child, but don't be surprised when they come home and this is what they say they heard. Right. You know, and that's just, that can save you some grief in the, in, in the long run, I think. So, yeah, anything else to add as we wrap this up? Well, we're, we're, we just we've been we spent a lot of time on this uh, doctrine, um, but we want to let you know that we're going to follow this up um, with assurance of salvation because, um, like we said, we need the gospel. Um, so we're going to transition this, and you're going to wait a week, and you're going to start hearing a dis- our discussion about uh, assurance of salvation and what that means. Um, so, uh, how can I know that I am really saved? Um, so that's what we're going to be dealing with next. All right, and thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you, Lincoln, for joining us this week and next week as we're recording this on the same day, so we love that. But uh, you've been listening to uh, this episode of another Youth Ministry podcast. We are thankful for you and your ministry to teenagers. May God bless you in your work as you faithfully serve Him, teenagers, and their families. Please connect with us on social media on Instagram at anotheryampodcast, or you can email us at anotheryampodcast at gmail.com. 